So today I'm going to continue the series called Unity, The Impact of Unity, Part 3. And today's message title is called The Grace of Giving. Psalm 133 is our text, and this is how it starts. How wonderful it is, how pleasant when God's people dwell together in unity. For unity is as precious as the fragrant oil that pours over Aaron's head, running down his beard onto the edges of his priestly robe. Unity is a refreshing as the Jew on Mount Hermon, on the mountains of Israel. And God has commanded his blessing and life eternal more. There's no doubt that this picture that we have is really God's picture of how he sees unity. And if you don't know the Old Testament, Aaron, who was the brother of Moses, he was really the high priest and high priests in them days would offer sacrifices and that would be a blessing for the nation. It would set the nation free from their sins for the year and every year they had to gain. So the high priest had a major role, but the blessing was oil was poured upon his head, down his beard, running down to the, and it's a picture of God wants the oil to continue to flow to every part of the body. The high priest represents the body. And in the New Testament, Jesus is the head. You and I, the church, are the body of Christ. He wants the oil to go to every part of the body. Not just the head, not just the beard, not just a few faithful volunteers, but every child of God to have an absolute flow of oil reaching your life. I believe that's the picture God is speaking of when it comes to unity and where God sees unity, when he sees a continual flow of oil. In other words, when you and I accept our part in the body of Christ, there is a possibility where the oil can get to you. And if you'll accept your part and begin to function in the part that God has given you, accepting your part and functioning in the part that God has given you, it's amazing how the oil will get to you. And if the oil can get to you, if the oil can get on you, the oil can get through you. And I'm telling you, there's someone that you need to meet that I'm not going to meet and you better have oil on you when you meet them. There is a sick person, some of you are going to meet and you don't have a strength naturally to heal them. But I'm telling you, you're not the healer. It's the one that will anoint you to bring his healing into their bodies. You've got to understand God wants the oil to keep flowing and don't take yourself out of what God has put you in. Stop taking yourself out of the family that God has placed you in. Stop talking yourself out of it when God has talked you in to the promise that He has always had for your life. Amen. Everybody is needed for the oil to continue flowing. And I believe that is the anointing and that is the picture of unity. And so I want to continue with today on the impact of unity. And I think there's something that I believe we can all learn from. I believe all of us could spend the next few months reading the book of Acts. The book of Acts is where the church got started. It's where the Holy Spirit was poured out on people like you and I. And we began to do things, not in our own strength, but through the strength of the Holy Spirit. And I believe everybody here is a candidate for the Holy Spirit's strength. I believe when you are towards God and your heart is towards Him. I'm telling you, I believe the Holy Spirit is attracted to a heart that's open to God. And so we find in the book of Acts chapter 4, as we continue, it says this, Acts chapter 4, 32 to 35. It says, All the believers were one heart and mind, and no one felt that what they owned was their own. Everyone was willing to share. And the apostles preached powerful messages about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great 
grace was upon them all. What does grace mean? It means undeserved favour. Well, great grace means great undeserved favour was upon them all. I believe God has that for the 21st century church as well. There was no unmet need and no poverty. There was no unmet need and no poverty. For all who owned land and houses sold them and brought their money to the apostles to give to others in need. Now, I do appreciate maybe people are here today. Maybe this is your first time or maybe you've never been in an environment like this. The challenge I have today is everybody's got filters. So I do need you to appreciate there's context to what I'm saying today. All of these things are the product of man. But I'm telling you what this is right now is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of people deciding to say, I have much, but I'm willing to let it go. God has blessed me and I'm willing to be a blessing. This is the fruit of a God working in the hearts of ordinary people. So don't turn it into something that isn't there. So be patient and stay with me because this is the grace of God. Amen. There was such an openness to the Holy Spirit that there was no unmet need amongst them. And what I love about this is the challenge was real, but the unity was greater. And I've been speaking about unity in our church because I believe that we're going to benefit from it. I believe our future is going to be connected to it. I believe acceleration for your life and our life collectively is going to come out of a spirit of unity. And when there's unity in the house, hearts are open and hands are quick to go up. One of the, knows, one of the ways that you identify unity in the house is that there's an openness like never before, hearts are more open, not closed. And I believe hands go up quicker. I'd like to run. I'd like to help. I'd like to start a dinner party. I'd like to help someone who's in need this weekend. I'd like to get involved. It's amazing when unity is in the house, that there's an openness and there's a hand going up mentality, not a hands going down, but a hands going up. When there's unity in the house, trusting God is greater and enthusiasm is stronger. I pray to God that we'll always be blessed with enthusiasm and a, and a desire to trust God no matter what the situations are, amen. Who wants to go to a church where nobody trusts God and there's no enthusiasm for the things of God? Do you wanna to go to that kind of church? I don't believe that's what God wanted. I believe that enthusiasm is a sign of an openness towards God. I believe unity in the house, gaps are closed and people wanna serve. There's no doubt as a church grows, there's going to be needs. There's going to be definitely needs. Gaps get created and there's things that we may be not doing because maybe you're not involved yet. But I want you to understand that when there's unity in the house, it's amazing how gaps begin to get filled and people want to have a desire to serve. Well, let me give you another one today that I believe is an evidence of unity in the house. And that is where there's unity in the house, needs are met and people want to give. Needs are met and people want to give. Sometimes people come into this environment and they have a need to find an apartment and they bump into someone in the hangouts afterwards and they hear through a friend of a friend that there's an apartment available. It's amazing how there could be so many needs, but just through a, an openness and a desire to be united around Him and His purposes for humanity, it's amazing how needs begin to met, get met and people want to give. There's not a withholding. There is a beautiful spirit of release. So what I want to do is take you on a journey of the grace of giving. And it's a beautiful story, a beautiful picture, a beautiful testimony of what the church began to do as it found momentum. And one of the letters that Paul writes is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 
Paul is writing a letter back to a church in Corinth and they're asking questions and they're wanting to know how to go, do things and how to be godly and how to move things forward. And Paul is writing letters back and forward. Well, 2 Corinthians is in reply to some of the letters that have been going on. And this is what he says. Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy, everyone say joy, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urged, urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the Lord, which is always a smart thing to do. And then by God's leading also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel and lead in so many things like faith, speech, knowledge, enthusiasm, and in your love for us, we encourage you to also excel and lead in the grace of giving. Imagine going to a church where they were known for their ability to lead in this area of incredible grace in giving. Well, that's what the Macedonian church is being declared for. Even in the 21st century, you and I are still hearing about the grace of giving and the ability to excel in many things, including giving upon a church in Macedonia, which is today modern day uh, Albania and that part of the world and Turkey. So what I love about this is that Paul obviously was speaking into this situation and he was saying, hey, have you heard about the Macedonian church? Hey, they haven't got a lot, but they did an amazing thing. They weren't just leading in faith. They weren't just leading in enthusiasm. They weren't just leading in terms of speech and best speakers and best messages like the young guns and the brave hearts. They were leading in this incredible ministry and grace of giving. I wonder if Hillsong Berlin, that we would ever get noted for this beautiful grace of giving. Would it be ever said about us that, man, that church has got such a grace to give. They give so generously to people who need clean water. They give so generously to other churches that maybe don't have much. They give so graciously into the community and they give so graciously into the workforce and they strengthen the community of the city. And they, I don't know, could we be known as a church that excel in the grace of giving? I mean, that's not a bad thing to be known about. I pray that our church will always be known for its generous spirit. Generous spirit. We're generous in our praise unto God. We're generous when it comes to our outlook in life. We're generous when it comes to helping people from difficult situations. I pray the generous spirit that we have is basically coming directly from this generous God that we serve. Amen. Can anyone say amen? And so we see generosity, but we also need to understand that generosity was a fruit of the joy. My experience in life is when the generosity stops, it's because the joy stopped. Have you ever looked at your own life where maybe you've been generous and it's come from a joy of knowing that you're forgiven, knowing that you've been redeemed, knowing that you've been accepted into the family of faith? It's amazing how when people have joy that they tend to be way more generous. I've never seen a joyous person be stingy. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying the generosity came from the joy. And the joy, guess what? It says here, 
Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know about the grace that God had given the Macedonian churches. So where did the joy come from? It came from the grace of God. When you look to the grace of God, it will cause joy to grow. It will cause joy to increase. See, what happens when you stop looking at the grace of God? Well, the joy slows down or maybe it disappears. But if the joy stops, I guarantee the generosity stops. I guarantee, I guarantee God's Word is true. If there's grace coming over you, there's grace that you're looking on, feeding on, dwelling on, the grace of God will put a joy in your heart. Not a fear, but an incredible deep joy. A joy that will help sustain you even when natural things look like they're against you. And the joy will spill over into this beautiful thing that the church was known for, generosity. And I just want you to know, anyone who serves on team, I guarantee you can be on team and lose your joy. And I guarantee all it is is duty. All it is is routine. It's now a task. There's no joy in it. I can't connect it to salvations. I can't connect it to the bigger picture. And I tell you, it's a sad place when you, you're doing something. You know, the joy of a mother, the reason a mother works so hard for the family because of the joy of seeing their children safe and secure and loved and fed. There's so much in this that all of us can learn from. And so I really believe that Paul is encouraging us to learn in the 21st century but I believe that our encouragement today can come from unity and that we can excel in the grace of giving. And I do believe there are things that we can do to excel in our giving. So let me give you a few thoughts. Is that okay? Number one is we need to be liberal in our giving. You need to be liberal, liberal in your giving. Proverbs eleven twenty four says this, a person gives freely and liberally will attract more and enjoys increase. A person gives freely and liberally attracts more and enjoys increase. Another person withholds and they sh uh, what they should give and only suffers one. Isn't it incredible how people that are just generous with what they have, generous with their home, generous with the small things that they have, but they're generous with it. No one wants to be around a tight, stingy, withholding person. It's just such a contrast. And I really believe if you want to excel in giving, if our church is going to excel in giving, we need to be liberal in our giving. In other words, we are freely, liberally wanting to just release whatever it is we can. And I believe it attracts more. I believe that it attracts more. That's what God's Word says, it attracts more. It attracts more and you enjoy increase. If you're not enjoying increase, could you consider your ways? Maybe there's not more coming your way. Could you consider maybe the way you're going? Is there joy? Is there any generosity? Have you even considered to feed on the grace of God? It's amazing how these things are so basic and achievable and, and obtainable by all of us. The second one, I believe, is, is if you're going to excel in giving, if we're going to excel in giving, we need to be cheerful in our giving. <laughs> hey, we're going to have our giving tithes and offerings today. And I, usually if you do that anywhere, it usually becomes a funeral service. And, and, and it shouldn't be like that. I, I want to go to a church where, hey, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. Whoa, just a full party poppers are coming out and people are like, why? Because it's possible. When it comes to giving, to be silent, I believe is, is a, sometimes a reflection of the mindset. But to be joyous and cheerful is also a reflection of the revelation. If you want to excel in giving, 
the grace of giving. If the church in Macedonia, though it was tough, though it was suffering drought and famine, they wanted to be a part of giving to the church in Jerusalem because Jerusalem church was suffering. This is the context is they wanted to be a part of it. There's so much about being a cheerful giver. Let me read it to you. Second Corinthians chapter nine, each one must give as they have decided in their hearts, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves. <laughs> what is the thing that we can learn from here? Giving is not just what we give, it's how you give. Maybe you do give, but there's no joy in it. Maybe you start, need to really look at the grace of God and realize that by God's grace, you can do this, whether you're young or older. Number three, if you want to excel in the grace of giving, I believe it needs to be planned and purposeful in your giving. You've got to be planned and purposeful. Second Corinthians chapter eight says this, this is what I think. You had better finish what you had started a year ago. You were the first to want to give a gift of money, but now do it with the same strong desires you had when you started. In other words, it's not, Really, your intentions that God blesses, it's your actions. Well, intentions are good, but it's doing something. It's actually bringing something. It's actually contributing something. And I believe every one of us have got the capacity. And so plan your giving. You know, be purposeful in your giving. And, you know, don't give blindly. Don't give to things that don't, are not fruitful. You should always be willing to test the things you're giving. There's nothing wrong, you know. Is this good soil? Is it about eternal purposes? Is it where God is honored and glorified? You know, there are things you can test. No one would put their money in a stupid, stupid investment. Well, I believe when you put it in the house of God, I believe when you put it, and first of all, you don't give to the church, you give to God, you give to Him, but He facilitates it through His church. And I believe it's important to understand, you know, yeah, the church needs to be accountable. Yeah, the church needs to have good stewardship. Yeah, the church needs to have wisdom and grace and Definitely checks and balances, no doubt about it. But I need you to understand, ultimately, as you always give to God first, that's what it said. They first gave to God, and then they let God lead them in their giving to this group of people. So I believe if you're going to excel in giving, it has to be planned. I believe it's beneficial when it's purposeful. In other words, don't just give willy-nilly. I remember a few years ago, a girl coming and saying, I realized that I've been giving wrong. And I was like, what do you mean? She said, I, I, I was giving because I kind of felt that God was going to give me something. I, I kind of felt if I give more in the offering, I, I, I'm going to get that promotion at work. In other words, she, her giving was conditional. It was based on if I give God something, He's going to give me something. And I just said to him, I said, so what's changed? She said, I realize... It doesn't matter what I give. I can never outgive God. And she began to give from a revelation that he has given everything to her. And in other words, it took off the fear or, or the manipulation or this religious mindset. If I give to God, then he's going to, in other words, if I bless him, he'll bless me. You know, I've known God, he, literally God's grace is that he will bless you even when you are not blessing him. And that is such a story for Christianity because we think if we do good, we get good. And then God just blows us out of the water. Has anyone ever in this room experienced when you didn't measure up and God was still faithful? I find God is so gracious when I, when I haven't been all prayed up, when I haven't been all fired up, amen? I honestly believe if our message is about how good we are, then really we don't have a strong message. I believe our message has substance because in spite of us, He is incredibly faithful. When you weren't faithful, did God continue to be faithful? 
when you didn't kind of get all your little duckies in a row, was God still faithful to you? I'm telling you, God is a gracious God. He blesses us even when we're not even looking for it. I just believe His smile is so strong upon our lives. So number four, let me give you this. I think if we're going to excel in the ministry of giving, in the grace of giving, I believe we need to ask the Holy Spirit about our giving. I believe it's right to go to God. What would you want me to give, Lord? How would you want me to be a part of this, Lord? I believe if you'll go to God, He'll talk to you. He'll speak to you. What does it say here? John 16, Jesus is speaking to the followers and He says there, John 16, it'll come up on the screen. He says this, There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of His own, but He will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future and He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he, reveal, he receives from me. I tell you, God loves His church and He loves His people. And if you go to God and say, God, how would you like me to be involved? Don't be surprised if God starts speaking to you. I want you to be involved at this level. I want you to do this. I want you to reach out to this family. I want you to be a part of the kingdom builders. I want you to be a part of the dinner party. I want you to cook dinner for this family who've just had a baby. I want you to give your bicycle. Has anybody ever done that? The joy of being able to release and to give things and been able to bless people. And, and sometimes it's not a lot. Sometimes it's little things. But you know what I found is the little things. Some of you can make a cake for someone this week and it will literally put a smile on their face for a long time. I've found over my life of 51 years, which is so young, that I'm a kind of guy, I only need one kind word and I can go for months. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? One kind word. You speak to your children. You want to put courage in your children? Start speaking to them kindly. Start believing that they can do it. Children grow in stature so quickly around a culture of encouragement. But you see, the ministry of the grace of giving will always be there because there's a culture of encouragement. So if you're going to excel in your giving, I really want you to think about asking the Holy Spirit. I dare you to do it. I believe if you're going to excel in the ministry of giving, you've got to understand there can never be any strings attached. You cannot excel in the ministry of giving and put strings attached to your giving. You can't give and connect strings to your giving. Well, if I give, will you give? Well, if I give, will you? You cannot. You have to be free and liberal when it comes to your giving. No strings attached. I will never let anyone control me with their giving. And we've been blessed over the years by individuals or families I don't believe it's a healthy relationship. So if you want to excel in the ministry of giving, I want you to understand there's no strings attached. I believe giving will build your life. If you've not got a spirit of giving on you, you're not going to build your life. You're going to shrink your life. You're going to limit your life. And I believe you're called to shrink your life. I believe you're called to enlarge your life. And let me just say the final one here. I believe giving is our true nature. I believe giving is our true nature. I believe children want to give. I believe adults want to give. I believe mums want to give. I believe fathers want to give. I believe young people want to give. I believe giving is our true nature. And I believe that's the nature that God is calling us to, to be givers, to be sowers, to be generous. And where does it all come from? By feeding on His incredible grace. And the more grace you are aware of, the more joy you will enjoy. And the more joy you have in your life, the more generous, I believe, will cause you to be overflow. Let it be said in the 21st century that Hillsong Berlin is known for excelling and leading in the ministry of the grace of giving. Can anybody say amen?